I have a good mind just to tell you to stand up just for the fun of it, but I, I, I won't. One of my favorite times at weddings, I know some of you are saying, you got a favorite time at weddings? But it's when the bride and groom make their promises to God and to one another. And it's always fun to, to watch the, the face of the bride and groom, as, especially at, at the vows, at the traditional vows, where they, they, they promise you know, to, that they're going to be a faithful spouse, a faithful husband or a faithful wife in sickness and in health, in joy and in sorrow, and then in plenty and in want. And it's amazing because every once in a while, folks will stumble on that plenty and want. You know, they'll sort of say, what do you want me to say? And they'll look at me, and I'm like, yeah, well, whether in riches or in want. I mean, you're, you're saying your commitment to one another is, is through it all. And after a couple of those experiences, I said, you know, I think I'm going to print these out and, and give these uh, to the bride and groom at the beginning of our meeting so that they realize what they're getting into when they make this commitment uh, the, for those of you that are visiting with us uh, today, welcome, glad you're here. You'll see uh, we're in the middle of a series, actually the very middle of a series of a, a seven-week prayer uh, covenant that uh, we've been making together. And the, the middle line of that prayer that we've been saying together, uh, seven weeks and uh, at seven o'clock, either 7 a.m. or p.m., some people are creative and do it at different time zones, um, uh, but seven days a week at seven o'clock, we've been praying this prayer um, together uh, to really seek God's face together. And this um, middle line of the prayer uh, is that we're praying that, that God would be Lord of our lives in new ways and that he would change us any way he wants. Now, it's really fun to, to, when you get with a group and you introduce this prayer and you watch them pray that line. It's, it's better than the vows of, of plenty and want. I mean, people grimace when they say that. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute, what did, you just tricked me. <laughs> you, know, you, you want me to say to God, God, change me any way that you want? Whoa. I don't know that I want to say that. I'm sort of wondering what that means if I really pray that. And we, we pray that personally and we pray that as a church. I mean, that's what we've been praying. For, for the last four weeks, we've been praying, God, as a church, we are yours. And so we want you to change us any way that you want. That's what we've been praying. At least those are the words that we've been saying. And today, I want to talk about that being the very desire of our heart. That as Christians and as a Christian church, we want Jesus to be the leader of every area of our lives. We want Jesus to be the leader of every area of our lives. 
Could be that that is the most succinct and the most historical creed, conviction, commitment of the church. Since the very beginning, the, the crucial statement of those that claim to be Christians was simply, Jesus is Lord. That's what we affirm. When we have this baptism, uh, that, is, uh, that is what uh, um, uh, Elizabeth and Hannah and uh, uh, um, Zach are going to affirm. Jesus is Lord. Now, we don't talk about lords much these days. But I think we know what it means. It means Jesus is boss. Jesus is the one that's the captain at the helm. Jesus is the one at the wheel. Don't worry, we're not going to sing that song um, today. But what Jesus tells us to do, we do. Where Jesus tells us to go, we go. That's what it means for Jesus to be boss. We submit our lives to Jesus' direction. We are passengers. And he has his hands on the steering wheel. And that can be a really wild ride. So I've got a little video here that I want to, to share with you that, that describes, that, that shows what, what happens when we can get in the car with someone at the wheel who really knows what they're doing and yet takes us in places we don't want to go at speeds we don't want to go. And then we'll jump into uh, how Jesus did that with his disciples in Matthew 8. Let's, uh, let's show that um, video. My good friends at Pepsi Max have hooked us up with this cool cam cam. So these are the glasses cam to show you everything that I see. How you doing? Hello. Hey, Mike. It's Dave. Nice to meet you, Mike. I saw you sort of gravitated towards the Camaro. You thinking about getting one? Oh, no, no, no. This this. Way too much car for me. I'm well. It's a lot of power, but they've designed it to be very safe. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I've never driven anything like this before. Well, I, I tell you what. I think a way to really make you feel comfortable would be to put you behind the wheel. You're good. <laughs> Are your keys, sir? Thank you, Steve. You'll have to unlock it, Mike. Oh, yeah. thank you. There we go. Oh yeah. What a car. Mm -hmm. Well, we better buckle up. Yeah, good call. Power. Power door locks. Standard, of course. You are liable for any damages to the vehicle, so please stop the car. Slow, or at least slow down. Slow down. Slow down. You can't go through that gate, Mike. Stop. this card. You're liable for it if you wreck it. Mike, stop the car. Oh, my God. Oh, you're an idiot! I'm gonna kill you! Oh, 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 oh,
You don't understand. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. No, it's just a prank. We're just having fun. Look, this is a camera. Here's a camera. There's cameras. Look, it was all just fun. Look, I'm Jeff. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. If you didn't catch that, and if you're not a NASCAR fan, that was Jeff Gordon, who today starts his 700th NASCAR race. So he knows what he's doing when he's behind the wheel of a powerful machine. And it was a, a, a prank for a car salesman. But I wonder if that's a good illustration of how we might feel when we commit to getting in the car with Jesus at the wheel. And we cuss at God every once in a while. <laughs> we bleeped those out and took those out. But we recognize the wild adventure of getting in the car with somebody who really knows what they're doing and will take us places that times we don't want to go. At speeds, we don't want to go. Will lead us to change in ways we really don't want to change, even though we pray we do. That is the Jesus who leads us. That's the God of a wild adventure who will take us to places and lead us to change every day. So we pray that you'll do it new today, every day. We do not want to get stuck in park or on cruise control. Or just stay in first gear. Our passage today is in Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 18 through 27. And it'll speak to Jesus has, has been around, got followers around, he's been doing great things. A lot of people are hanging around with him, and they're they're starting to want to follow him. He's assembling some followers. And, and this is uh, um, some of the conversation that he has and the ways that he leads his followers in that day. It's uh, Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 18. It's found on page 789 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen, or you can follow along whatever form of the Bible you have with you. Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 18. Let's pray. Gracious God, lead us. Help us to want to want to change as you direct us. Help us to want to want to be committed to you. Speak to us, each one of us individually and to all of us as a people. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. He's standing at the side of the, the water. And the, the big crowds are gathering and Jesus always, just the master of public relations, says, let's leave. <laughs> A scribe then approached and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Not the best way to make a sale, is it? Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Whoa, he's serious about this commitment, isn't he? 
He's serious about following him at all times and in all places. But one thing I want to be clear before we go back to the rest of the, the, the story here, the events here. Je- to be a follower of Jesus, that, that used to be a great word because it meant we follow him. You're like, follow the leader. We go where he goes. Today, with Facebook followers, it's been ruined. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want a Facebook follower. He doesn't want somebody. The only commitment you got to make is click, like. He don't want that. He don't want somebody that's just going to follow him. Oh, yes, that way I can talk to you every once in a while. I can figure out what's going on with you. You can figure out what's going on with me. But it really isn't going to cost me anything but a little bit of time. That's not the kind of follower that Jesus wants. And that's what he's telling these suitors here. Hey, uh, let, me, let me hang out uh, with you. And he's like, you sure you know what you're getting into? Let me just go take care of this other business, Jesus, then I'll come follow you. He says, never mind. It's me above anything and everything else. Everything else pales in comparison to following me. In in the book of James, the writer of James, he says, you know, the, the, the demons believe and they shudder. And somehow in the church, in America, we've gotten this notion that we, what we need to do is believe. We just have to make an assent. Yes, Jesus is God. We believe in him. Hallelujah. Raise my hand. I remember that day when I did it, so I'm okay. That's not the good news of the gospel. Jesus didn't say to these guys, oh, great. Well, as long as you just have a, you're a card-carrying member of Jesus' followers, go do what you want. He didn't tell them that. He said, no, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you. It means a commitment of all that you are to, to follow me. Verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And I mean now everything's nice and neat. A nice little leisurely cruise on the sea. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us! We're perishing! And he said to them, Why are you afraid? You of little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. They were amazed. Saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? When you get in the car with Jesus at the wheel, buckle up. It's not going to be stress-free. From the world's perspective, it is crazy and dangerous and challenging. Storms will abound. High speeds and wild turns everywhere you go. But from God's perspective, if He's in the boat, if His hands are on the steering wheel, then you are just fine. There's no safer place for you to be. Even if you die, you're safe. If you're in the boat with Jesus, is the power over even death itself. So what are we scared of? 
What are we scared of when we get in the car? What are we scared of when we get in the boat? We're scared of change. That's why that line in the prayer causes grimaces. Change us, Lord, any way you want. You know, as a church, there are a number of reasons that I'm excited about the session recommendation to the church. Regardless of what we as a congregation choose. One of the reasons I'm excited just about this whole process is that it means change. And change under the lordship of Jesus is good. So regardless of the way that you as a congregation vote, uh, and if you still want me to be your pastor, I'm going to be your pastor whichever way you decide. The one thing I'll promise is that this, this vote will lead to change. And it'll lead not to change for change's sake, which is some of what we've done here. It's why I'm not wearing a robe. I just thought, you know, let's just do some things to change, just so people get used to it. But change for the sake of Jesus, because He's leading us. It's just good to break out of ruts. It's just good simply to change things so that we are more open to where God wants us to go because we can make a God an idol out of any habit that will get in the way, that will be a wall to us following where God wants us to go. I have to, a confession um, to make to you. You know, one of the, the greatest challenges of the church, and we've been uh, really uh, uh, struggling with this at uh, staff meetings over the last month or so, is that really what, in the United States, the, the, the most uh, common purpose of church is to keep people happy. That's really what it is. I mean, that, that's, we can say, we can put missions on paper, we can put missions on prayer and all the rest, but really, what the real mission is for the leadership, we just got to keep, keep people happy. And that's a sin. There's no other way to put it. That is just not the purpose of the church. It's not the purpose of the church to keep me happy or you. If we're going to try to keep anybody happy, our purpose then as church is to keep God happy. I don't care if I'm happy or you're happy. For our purpose is to keep God happy. Well, and some of you may be saying, well, if that's really been your purpose, you've been a dismal failure at that, uh, trying to keep us uh, happy. The point of the church, the purpose of the church then, is to be a catalyst for change in my life and yours so that we become more and more like Jesus. Really, the only reason there shouldn't be change is because you're perfect and I'm perfect. And I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm not, and I know a lot of you, and you're not either. <laughs> so if we're not changing, then we're broken as a church. We are not in line with the mission that God has given us to be a people that are following after Jesus and becoming more and more like Him. If we're not doing that, then we are a dismal failure. I don't care how happy I am or you are. That's why change is absolutely necessary as we are following Jesus. That change is hard. 
Because what that means is changes. I'm committed to Jesus. I'm in the, the boat with him, and he's going to lead me. He's going to tell me, well, this is what you've got to do. This is how you've got to change. I don't like that because that means I've got to admit I'm wrong. That's the first thing. I've got to admit somehow I'm holding on to something that is more important than Jesus or more important than loving people next to me. And, and Jesus is going to convict me. It's the love of God, as we just sang. It's the love of God that leads to change. It's the love of God that disciplines us, that guides us into the way of becoming more and more like Jesus. But I don't like that. Because, you know, when push comes to shove, I like my own little life to be nice, cozy, and peaceful. I don't like getting in a car with Jeff Gordon at the wheel. I don't like necessarily meeting a whole bunch of new people. I just like to know the people that I'm comfortable with, that know me, that I'm safe with. I like doing the things that I'm safe doing. You get in the boat with Jesus, he's going to lead you to places that are not safe in the world's eyes. Let me remind you, if Jesus is at the helm, there is no safer place for you to be. As crazy as it may seem in the eyes of the world. I don't, I don't like change. I don't feel like I need it. But you know, God likes it when we change to become more and more like Him. God needs it. Not, God doesn't need it. The world needs it. The world needs you and me to become more and more like Jesus. Because the world is desperately in need for a group of people who are going to live according to the ways of Jesus and not according to the ways of this world. The world is desperately in need of a people who are so committed to Jesus that they will do whatever he says do and will go wherever he says go. Through this process of discernment and, and, and change, what I'm committed to with your help, your reminder is to being part of a church that is committed to becoming more and more like Jesus, no, no matter what. Committed to that kind of change that he would lead us to. I've got a pointed question for you. For you not only as a part of a church, but also you personally. Are you committed to that same thing? Are you committed to that as a church? And are you committed to that personally? Is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your boss or, or just a nice advisor? You know, a good friend every once in a while that you call in in times of trouble. You know, come into for the big decisions, you sort of access him and sort of knock on his door. Or is he the Lord of every single part of your life? If he is, then he's going to be messing in something. There's going to be some way in your own life that he is tinkering with you. He is making you more and more like him. What area of life is that? He will be tinkering and leading you into the ways of life that are most meaningful, most beautiful. 
that are good in every way. What area of life is that with you and with Jesus? Your private life? Your financial life? Your, your emotional life? In, in relationships? At work? In your own spiritual life? Where are you stuck? Where do you not want things to change? Maybe you've grown deaf to God. Maybe even you've been in church your whole life, but you've really never encountered the living God messing with your life, and you've missed out. This week, this week, as you're, you're praying this prayer, stop at this line. And listen. Take a moment to listen. All right, God, where, where are you messing with my life today? What are you wanting to, to change in me today? And let God speak to you and make a difference in you. Now, one thing uh, that I encourage as we go through this prayer together in these seven weeks, that you will in, as well take a time uh, to fast. Uh, fast uh, one day a week from one meal. It's, don't just do it to skip the meal, but skip that meal in order to say, God, I'm more hungry for you than I am for this meal. Again, it's a way to add change, to, to bring some new discipline into your life. Uh, we got, only got three more weeks, so you can do it for three weeks. Now, some of you, medically, you, you can't do it. Find something else to fast from. But this week, fast from one meal uh, a week and make that your prayer for these next three weeks where... What new thing are you doing in me? What way are you leading me to change? Amen.